Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4 and meet me at verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is in this place. And the word of the Lord says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Say those last three words together with me. God is love. Say it one more time. Now say it like you mean it one more time. Come on. Now why do y'all do that the first time? All right, so... God is love. And this is our foundational passage of Scripture. As this month, we have been talking about the love of God. And this verse is so power-packed. It starts out with beloved. And that word beloved is a romantic word. We talked about eros last week, which is the romantic love of God. And it is a word that is involved with romance, beloved. Or you could say it this way. It's a conjunction word, beloved. Be loved, let us love one another. Why? Because we are loved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, or love is the uh, ori- love originates from God. Love is the source that comes from God. Love is the author. He's the creator. The root of love is God. So for love is of God, and everyone who loves knows God, but he who does not love does not know God, for God is Love. Now, God doesn't have love. God is love. God's main attribute is not love. No, no. God is love. It's who he is. It's the source of who he is. He is love. God is love. And I've noticed through uh, 10 plus years of full-time ministry and talking to people and preaching on the love of God, I've noticed that some people, especially men, have a problem when you talk about the love of God. For some reason or another, I've noticed that uh, women, females, they, they gravitate towards the love message of God and they receive it with simplicity and it changes their lives. But for some reason or another, men have had a hard time receiving the love of God. And I was praying about this and I, I believe one reason why men have a hard time receiving the love of God is because God is masculine. And for some reason or another, us men, we are, we are, you know, we are men, you know, we have a little, we're chauvinistic in a way and we're, we're tough men and all that love stuff, stuff, that's just mushy, gushy stuff. And don't talk about this love stuff. I mean, I'm a man. I don't need all that love stuff. And unfortunately, we have not received an area or an aspect of God that he would like to reveal to us because we have a problem receiving love because God is masculine. Now, I do want you to understand this, that spirits do not have genders. There is no such thing as a male spirit or a female spirit. Spirits don't have genders. They are genderless. God is a spirit. God is the source of love. He is the spirit of love. He is a love being, and he has no gender. Matter of fact, your human spirit, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. 
You are a spirit, and that spirit is genderless. It's called the human spirit. And the human spirit, God did this in Genesis chapter 1. He deposited the human spirit in a male, and he deposited the human spirit in a female. There are no genders in the spirit, and God has no gender. Now listen to this, because any because there are no genders in the spirit, everything defaults to masculinity. Every Everything in the, the spirit realm is go, always going to be a masculine form of identity. You're always, God's going to be a father. It's masculine. God's going to be a husband. It's masculine. He's going to be referred to as a he. It's masculine. It's not male. It's masculine. And what happens is I've noticed that people, we talked last week about the Lord saying, I want to be your husband. And a lot of men like, what are you talking about? I get it. I struggle with the two and studying it because we're looking at man to man instead of looking at spirit to spirit. God says, I want to provide for you. I want to protect you like a good husband would. I want to satisfy your needs and wants and even desires. I want you to trust me. I want you to know that you belong to me and I want to take care of you. That's what he's, that's what he means when he says, I want to be your husband. And so sometimes men have an issue with that. And uh, I'm telling you, man, just stop and receive the love of the spirit of God from his spirit to your spirit. It has no um, gayness or homo to it whatsoever. It is the spirit of God that wants to demonstrate and manifest his love to you. And all you got to do, come on, lift up your hands and just simply receive it. That's it. Say, I am loved. Say, I belong to you. Say, you are my beloved. And this is what we do. We just simply receive the love of God. And the love of God is so, uh, it's so audacious that it simply loves you for who you are. It loves you for, for who you are and not who you should be. God's love is not based upon your performance. Matter of fact, I heard the word of the Lord this week say, Devon, when I woke up, say to me in my heart, Devon, I love you before you do any type of religious, righteous activity today. I already love you before you perform any good act. I love you. And if you miss the mark, make a mistake, I love you the same. He loves you even when you make mistakes. He loves you even when you don't love yourself. He loves you even when you feel great about yourself. He loves you. He lo his love for you remains the same. It is consistent. It is constant. It is never waving. I know Pookie and Ray Ray love you with a performance-based love, but God's love is never that way. He loves you despite your flaws. Matter of fact, the gospel is this. You are more sinful and you are more flawed than you've ever dared believe. Yet in Christ Jesus, you are more loved and accepted than you ever dared hoped. Glory to God. You are accepted. Say, I am accepted. Say, I am loved. Say, I belong to you. 
Now we're going to have to rework our image. We're going to have to rework the way we think and stop looking at ourselves with self-hatred, with low self-esteem, with uh, you know guilt, condemnation, shame, uh, unworthiness. We're going to have to stop looking at ourselves that way, and we're going to have to look at ourselves as lovable. Say, I am lovable. Now, this is so important. Uh, He loves you. So that means you are some sort of worth to him. I know you feel worthless, and I know religion has told you you are so worthless, but God saw something in you that he sent the only thing that cost him something, Jesus, on this earth to purchase you, not with money, not with silver and gold, but with his precious blood, bought you back, redeemed you for the curse, and then said, you're going to spend eternity with me for the rest of your life. Come on, somebody. That's the love of God. He loves you. And so to him, you have some worth. To him, you are valuable. To him, you are lovable. So you might as well agree with him and just say, I'm lovable. Come on, say it. I'm lovable. lovable. Say it again. I'm lovable. Well, I know my boss may not like me and the minister down the street may not like me and my grandma may not like me, but God loves me. Hallelujah. And I am lovable. Say it again. I'm lovable. And for you to reject this message today literally simply means you are rejecting the gospel. You are rejecting the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you to continue to see yourself as low, as a worm, with low self-esteem, condemned, guilt-filled, hatred, it's to reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is saying, church, I love you. He's saying, men, I love you. Women, I love you. I want to be with you. And so in the Greek, there are four words for this uh, word that we call love. Now, in America, in our English, let me say instead of America, in our English vocabulary, we love our dog, we love hot dogs, we love football, we love the Super Bowl, we love our wife, and we also love ice cream. And we think love that we describe consumes all of that. But in the Greek, it is a little deeper. It, it, is, it is broken down descriptively of what love really is. And last week, we talked about romantic love. It's called eros, which is romantic love, the God's uh, romance for you and I. Glory to God. He, he sees us uh, not just, listen, there's an aspect where he sees us as father, but in this ero sort of love, he sees us as, our, as a bride. He wants to spend time with you and have relationships with you, and he wants to be intimate with you. Now, get out the gutter. Don't think about sex. He's not talking about sex. He's talking about intimacy, and he loves you in that intimate way. And then there is, uh, and I'm not a Greek, um, you know, scholar, so if I mispronounce this, I am not Greek, so forgive me, but there's one called, it's like, it's philia, philia, P-H-I-L-I-A, philia, and it's where we get brotherly love, and it's where we get the name of the city Philadelphia, too, 
with the city of brotherly love. It's a brotherly love that you have for your friends. And we'll talk about that going forward. And then we have agape love, which uh, Scripture talks a lot about, which is unconditional love. And we're going to talk about that love too. But today we're going to talk about the type of love that God uh, has in the Greek that is described. It's called storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. And that is family love. Somebody say family love. So this is the love that you have for your family. Uh, anyone in your bloodline, uh, your mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncles, cousin, it's the love that we have for family, which is different than a love that we have for our friends, which is different than a love, a romantic sort of love. It's, it's all sort of different. And in our English vocabulary, we would all call it love. But it's, it, there are different variations and definitions of this word love. And this is where we get family love. And um, how many of you know that there are um, some benefits to being in a family? I mean, there are some major benefits to being in a family. One of them is a sense of belonging. Uh, when you're in a family, you belong to something bigger than yourself. And, and you, there's a way uh, that you are positioned in that family that, that gives you some credibility, that gives you some authority, that gives you a reason to continue, really, that you are placed inside of a family. This is why a church family is so important, because Scripture tells us that he puts lo the lonely into families. And this is why a church is created, so that we can have a sense of belonging to something bigger than, than who we are. There's other families and there's other people that are expressing and experiencing the love of God, and, and we want to be a part of a family. And so this sense of belonging is so very important inside of a family. Uh, also inside of a family, you learn about culture and values. You learn some things. I know in my family, I learned some things, some things that I should do that were quality and also learn some things that I shouldn't do. <laughs> there are some things that you shouldn't do, and you learn these things through family. And family has always been the uh, backbone of a healthy society. If you're going to see a healthy, prospering, advantageous society that is advancing and growing, it is built on the backs of strong families. And isn't it so interesting why the enemy wants to attack families? He understands if you can attack the family, then you can attack the society. And any society that has crumbled is because the families have crumbled. It's because the marriages have crumbled. And if you really want the truth, it's because men have crumbled. And any attack on men is an attack on the establishment of family. And if the enemy knows, if I can attack the backbone of the family, which is men, I can eradicate godly society. And, and don't we live in a society now that is attacking men? Men are under attack. It's, it's the, the, the reason being is to crush what God has orchestrated and started. But this family love is a, is a great love. I, I grew up in a, in a great family. My mom and dad I love. You guys know I love my mom and dad. I got a sister that I love. And, and um, we weren't really close to our extended family, cousins and that sort of things. But the family I grew up in, man, wonderful, wonderful family. Many of you grew up in some wonderful families. But I also realized that many of you uh, grew up in a horrific family situation. And in Scripture, there is a lot of precedent for dissension in families. Um, I mean, look at Cain and Abel. I mean, there was so much dissension that Cain killed him, his own brother, 
And I believe that Abel was his twin. I believe they were twins. I'll let you study that out. But I believe that they were twins. And Cain killed his brother because of an offering. An offering. Many of you don't even want to give offerings. And one brother killed another brother over an offering. And so family dissension, Joseph and his brothers, I mean, they sold him, their own blood, sold him as a slave and really forgot about him. But thank God that God didn't forget about them. Glory to God. And used Joseph, raised him up, and he was able to save a nation. Uh, what's another one? Who, who has some more family dissensions there? Ruth and Naomi, right? Ruth and Naomi, there was some dissension in the family. Who else? Jacob and Esau. Family dissension. There has been family dissension throughout the history of time. And many of you, Moses, yeah, yeah. All of David's children, yes. All of David's children. They tried to, they, I mean, they really wanted to get rid of him. All of his children, I don't have time to go into that. But so much dissension inside of Families and many of us grew up in families that were not healthy, where maybe your father beat you, maybe he misused you or molested you, maybe there was an uncle that molested you, maybe there were situations that your mom abandoned you, that your dad you didn't you may not even know your dad because he he left you. Maybe there are situations where you grew up in a abusive homes where someone put their hands on you and, and utilized you in ways that God did not want to happen to you. And uh, in these family situations, if I can go even deeper, maybe there are situations now where you are have estranged, you are estranged from family. You, maybe you're the black sheep of the family and family doesn't talk to you anymore. Or maybe you just don't like that aunt, and that aunt doesn't like you. Or simply your sister, you and your sister are not on good terms. I went to the dentist this week, and I like going to the dentist, by the way. I like clean teeth, glory to God. So I went to the dentist this week, and I'm talking to the, um, what's the person's name to clean your teeth? Yes, hygienist, right, yes. And she was talking about her sister, her and her sister. There's some dissension there. Uh, Maybe you've got it going on with your mom or dad right now. Or maybe you're here and you have it going on with your son or daughter. Dissension. And um, family issues are real. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, and let's look at verse 34. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, we'll read through verse 36. It says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Jesus said this, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Watch this. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Now, Jesus said that someone with your last name will be your enemy. And many of you know that to be true. Someone that you came out of, 
that you are a part of will be an enemy to you. And I, I noticed the relationships that he talked about there. He said, uh, put it back on the screen there, Matthew uh, chapter 10, 34. He says, I've come set a man against his father. How many men have issues with their father? I see hands going up. I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. How many mother-daughter issues are going on? Mm-hmm. And don't raise your hand on this one. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, this is very specific. A daughter-in-law, which is the man's wife, against the mother-in-law, which is the mother of the man. I have been in ministry full-time for over 10 years. And if you don't include, if you include more than that in terms of just serving in um, staff positions, uh, it's been almost two decades And the one issue I see a lot of in married couples is this issue right here. Daughter-in-law and mother-in-law. It's an issue. It's a real issue. Now, sometimes you hear son-in-law and and, um, mother-in-law, but most, more often than not, you have the daughter-in-law and mother-in-law issue. There there is some some dissension between the two. And it could be words, it could be, uh, I don't feel accepted, it could be, um, you, you're, you, you're trying to make your son your man, come on somebody, it could be you're trying to take the, the mother-in-law's trying to take the place of the wife, or the wife trying to take the place of the mom, you know some wives try to be the man's mom too, that's wrong, that's wrong, and men don't be your wife's dad, that's wrong too. And, uh, and don't try to make someone do, listen, let me just give a little marital counseling. You cannot make your spouse do anything that they don't want to do. Let me just get that straight. You can't make them do nothing. And I know you're trying to make him, and, but you can't. And they're not going to do it because you told them to do it. So you better pray and ask the Lord to let someone else, let pastor tell them what to do because they, they ain't going to do it because if you say, oh, they're not going to do it. Oh, I got quiet in this uh, spirit-filled non-denominational tongue-talking church. It got quiet in here. And so there, is, there has been this dissension. And Jesus literally said that there will be enemies in your family. Uh, there are situations that uh, I can talk about. Um, that you could talk about if you had a microphone that you've been mistreated maybe by your mother or your father or you've been mistreated by a son or daughter and you have just felt like, you know what, I just want to cut it off. But I want to give you some advice. Sometimes it is what it is. Let me say it again. It just is what it is. You're not going to change your dad. It is. He too grown. He too grown. It is what it, come on, somebody say it is what it is. It is what it is. You're not going to change him. You're not going to, you're not going to, listen, um, you're not going to change your daughter. Now, I'm not talking about those that you have little kids in the home. We're going to discipline them and, and straighten them up and make them fly right. I'm not talking about that. But as they get a little older, you're not, you're not going to change them. And some point you just have to say, it is what it is. Say it again. It is what it is. 
It is what it is. Put it in the comments if you're, while you're watching. It is what it is because there are situations that are going to take place that you're just going to have to realize it is what it is. That, that, that person's going to say that. I've asked them not to say it. They're going to say it anyway. It is what it is. That person's going to do something that, that you don't like. They're going to, uh, you may say something along the lines of, please don't give our, our grandchild some soda. We don't want them to drink soda. And they come back with a 32 ounce of soda back in the house. You, 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 you're just going to have to say, who am I talking to? Who am I? It, it is what it is. And then, you, you know, now, now you, you remember, you're the parent, like, okay, now, now you, they may not go back out with you the next time, but it is what it is. There are some things that you're just going to have to sit back and just simply say, this is water off a duck's back. Jesus said that there would be problems in the family. Jesus said that people were going to act crazy. Jesus said that people were not going to do what they're called to do. And the truth be told, a lot of family is not for you. I know this might be breaking news, and you thought that everybody is cheering for you and rooting you and, and, and all of that. They are not for you. Unfortunately, I wish they were. I wish they were, but they're not. I was talking to a man, and he was really, really, really upset that his, his mother and his father and his wife's mother and father didn't go to his church. He was a pastor. Really upset. Like, I just don't know why they don't go to my church. I don't understand, and I just know, oh, he got to break it down. I said, brother, brother, okay, come on, come on, get it together. I said, I said listen, I said, Jesus' family didn't even listen to him. It said that they, they disrespected him. That he couldn't do any mighty works in his hometown where he's from because they didn't believe in him. They literally said, ain't that the joke? Ain't that, matter of fact, they said, ain't that Mary's son? I mean, that's disrespecting Joseph too. Ain't that Mary's son? And ain't he just a carpenter? He couldn't even do many mighty works. So I, I said, man, listen, Jesus' family didn't even, they, they didn't even hang with him. If it wasn't just for James, James' big brother did, but Jesus' family, they didn't even hang with him. I said, brother, I said, I said, you need to let that go. They're not coming to your church, and it's probably a good thing. Uh-huh. It's probably a good thing. I remember a couple of years ago, um, a couple, I may get in trouble for this, but uh, we'll scratch it out the, the, the CD. But a number of years ago, I remember one of, one of Stacy's family members came to the church, and as soon as they saw Stacy, oh, it's too hot here. Oh, it's too cold. The music too loud, this and that. And we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because you family don't mean you're going to come in here and control what happens in here. But that's what family does. Y'all looking at me like I'm making this up, like you ain't got no experience with what I'm talking about. This is exactly what happens. This is what family does. And, and Jesus said that some of your enemies will be in your own house. Some of the people that's going to give you the hardest pain are going to be from family members. The people, some of the folks are going to have you up at night. It's going to be thinking about family members. Some of the people that's going to say some things to you that's going to cut you to the core. 
It's going to be family members. And some family members ain't going to say anything to you, and it's still going to cut you to the core. Family. And this word storage in the Greek is family love. And so if Jesus said that our enemies are going to be family members, then what does he also say that we should do to our enemies? Hmm? Say it again. Say it again. Hmm. So our enemies are going to be in the family. But then Jesus in turn tells us to love our enemies. Hmm. In Luke chapter 6, let's take a look here. Luke chapter 6 and meet me at verse 27. I want you to see something here. Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. Jesus says here, but I say to you who hear. How many people can hear in here? All right. So you're about to hear this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Now pause. Look at me. First thing he says that we are to respond to our enemies is to love them. Now, I want these words, I want to uh, uh, illuminate these words for you. I, I want these words to just jump off the paper. Matter of fact, if you have a highlighter, I want you to highlight these words. He says, love your enemies, or underline it, do good. Somebody say, do good. Do good. Say it again, do good. do good. One more time, do good, do good. to those who hate you. What am I supposed to do to those that hate me? Mm, I'm supposed to, no, I'm supposed to respond like in, in like manner, right? I'm supposed to respond in kind. When you hate me, I'm supposed to respond with hate, right? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, brother, brother so-and-so, you, go, you, ain't, you hate me, I hate you too. You cuss me, I'm going to cuss you too. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? What? Am, are only two people know what I'm supposed to do in here? What am I supposed to do? Hmm. And then in verse 28, he says, bless those who curse you. There, there have been times in, in families, just I'll give you in full disclosure, in, 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 and I know, you know, I didn't name all my families, but we got, we got some families out there too. And like, oh, well, uh, uh, you, 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 you know, I disagree with them on something maybe. Well, you supposed to be a pastor. What do you mean I'm supposed to be a pastor? I, I am a pastor. I'm supposed to be? I, I, I mean, okay. okay, I said, you know what? You're trying to curse. You're trying to curse me. Now, 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 let me say, because the Spirit of God told me to remind you, you can't do this in and of yourself. The Spirit of God, and knowing how much you are loved by God, and responding how God responds to you is how you respond. So what I'm about to tell you is not Devon. It's the spirit of love on the inside of Devon that responded. I, you know what? Y'all won't, won't make me cuss. I know what y'all want to do. No, I, I, I bless you. Be blessed. Be blessed. We're going to get off the phone right now, but be blessed in Jesus' name. So, verse 27, listen again. I say to you who hear, love. Somebody shout, love. love. 
your enemies. Somebody shout, do good to those who hate you. Somebody shall bless those who curse you. And somebody shall pray for those who spitefully use you. I'm supposed to pray for them. I'm family members that are spitefully misusing me, taking advantage of me, talking about me, dogging me out. I'm supposed to pray for them. Oh, but no, here's what we do. No, I'm going to talk about you. Oh, you know, well, you know, how your sister doing? Oh, you, you talking about that, 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 uh, that you, you know, that, 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 you know what I'm trying to say? No, I'm not, I'm not supposed to do that. I, I'm supposed to say, you know, I've been praying for her. How's your mom doing? Well, well, you know, I ain't really heard from my mom. My mom and I, you know, I, I got some, some issues against my mom and I, I ain't got nothing. No, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to pray for her. How's your, how's your son doing? Well, we ain't talked in four years. No, that, 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 that ought not be. I talked to a, a man today or today, sorry, this week. He said he and his mom ain't talked in three years. That ought not be. Now, I understand that things could have happened that have caused that. But at some point, the spirit of love is going to have to take over. We're going to have to yield to the spirit of love, and we're going to have to love the enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, put verse 29 on the screen there. Look at this. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. Man, I, was taught if to, I was taught to hit first. But now Jesus said, now if they hit you, I'm not supposed to hit back. Mm. I, I've been, I, I just read a story recently of a, I can't remember the guy's name, pro football player, or retired pro football player. His dad shot him. Shot him in the house over some issue of a dog. The, 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 the son's girlfriend bought their dog over. The dad didn't want the dog over. It got so heated that he shot his son. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Look at verse 30. Give, somebody shall give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. They stole my new blue jeans out the closet. My sister stole them blue jeans. I bet I'm going to go over there. I'm going I'm to I'm light her house up on fire. See, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, we're, we're, we're to say, you know what? Maybe she needed them blue jeans more than me. Look at verse 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. How do you want people to treat you? Look at me. How do you want people to treat you? You are to treat them the same way. That's called the golden rule, huh? Verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. My neighbors who are sinners, they love their families. What? Even sinners do that. But, but let, let one of them family members do something they don't like. They might excommunicate them. I know people that if, if their white daughter marries a black man, they will cut them off. I know people that have cut off family members because they voted for Biden. 
What are we we doing here? Well, you can't see the grandkids because uh, you voted for uh, Biden and I wanted you to vote for Trump. So no grandkids, you can't see them more. Real life stories I'm telling you about. Because of a vote. Jesus says here in verse 31, if you want men to do to you, you do also to them. Look at verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. So he's saying you're going to have to be different. You're going to have to respond differently to this. Look at verse 34. And if you lend, somebody shout lend. To those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Verse 35, but love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your war will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High. And now watch this. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. God is kind to the unthankful. Some of your family members are unthankful. God is kind to them. What should you be? Kind to them as well. Matter of fact, this word lend jumped off the pages to me. Somebody shout lend. Now, I don't, don't raise your hands, but I know you got family members that always want to borrow something. Don't, don't raise your hand. They, they want something, and, and they always want something. And, and, and I'm going to tell you how I've gotten around that. Well, I shouldn't have gotten around that. How I've gone through that. Not gotten around it, gone through it. Don't lend. Give. Just give it. Whatever it is that, that you are willing to not receive back from. So whatever number that is that you look at your bank account, look what the Lord's telling you to do. Say, you know what? I'm going I'm 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 to go, go ahead and give it to you. Uh, because they're not going to pay you back. Okay? All right? They're they not, they not, they not going to pay you back. And so you might as well go on and just give it. And, and whatever dollar amount it is, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to give it to you. And you move on with your life. But if you, well, I lent, man, I lent them $50. I know they're at home because we're all on quarantine. I need to go on over there and figure out where they at because I, I know, I, where my $50? They just bought some brand new shoes and they owe me $50. How to get them shoes? And what? They in Jamaica and they owe me $50. What in the world? I need my $50. And you're going to be over that $50 for the rest of your life. My grandma, I was really close to my grandma and, um, I saw a lady, made me think, I saw a lady recently that looked like her. It just reminded me of her. Granny passed in 93. And um, Granny, man, we were, we were really, really close. And I remember Uncle Ollie. So uh, Uncle, Ollie had, Uncle Ollie had a really nice house. I was a kid. And he lived in San Bernardino, California. That's where I lived at the time. And Uncle Ollie had a nice house. He had a pool. That was a big deal. He had a pool in the back of the house. And, uh, and Uncle Ollie, I noticed that Uncle Ollie and Granny... Granny never went to Uncle Ollie's house. I noticed as a kid. And I noticed Uncle Ollie never went to Granny's house. And so, I'm, you know, I'm young. I said, Uncle Ollie, I said, do you talk to Granny? Now, they, they related. Who? Okay, now you know who I'm talking about. 
Granny, do you, do you ever talk to Granny? Uh, Uncle Ollie said, nah, I ain't talked to her in 20 years. And then I said, well, why don't you call her? You know, the, the, just the, the graciousness of a child, the faith of a child. Why don't you call Granny? He said, the phone works both ways. That was the first time I ever heard that term. And I started using that term until I, until I got, got a little more righteous and praise the Lord. No, I'm just playing. You can't get more righteous. You are righteousness of God. Glory to God. But until I started understanding teachings and getting a little more serious about the word of God, I used to start saying that if I got mad at somebody, well, the phone works both ways. I said that for decades. The phone worked both ways. You called me. And the Lord said, no, you called him. But back to the granny story. So I said, granny, Uncle Ollie said, the phone works both ways. Why don't y'all talk? Well, he right. The phone do work both ways. And I, I didn't realize until they both passed away, they never talked for 20-some years. And you, you know what they got mad over? Yeah, you don't know because nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. I, I end up getting a little older asking my mom, like, what happened? She said, nobody knows what they got mad about. And they just don't talk. This is crazy, but Scripture tells us here that we are to be kind. Somebody's saying, I'm, I am kind to the unthankful and evil. And verse 36 says, therefore, be merciful. Say, I am merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And so our response, if we're going to operate in the love that God has for us, and we're going to respond, it's going to be this way. We are going to love. We are going to do good. We are going to bless. We are going to pray. And we are going to lend and give to our enemies. And Jesus said that our enemies could possibly be our family members. And so our response there are issues that come up. I know they're coming in my family, they come up in your family. And I started responding in this way. Years ago, I'm going to love. You know what? And what is love? I'm going to be patient and I'm going to be kind. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient, love is kind. So I am going to respond with patience, because that's what love does, and act with kindness. That's what love does as well. And so something comes up. I think, what is the kind thing to do? I try to think that for what is the kind thing to do? How can I do good? How can I bless them? How can I pray for them? How can I, how can I give to them? Because if I don't think that way, I want to fight. <laughs> I want to argue. I want to tackle somebody. I want to wrestle. I, I want to get my aggression out. I want to say some stuff. I want to write a couple of texts. There's a lot of things that I want to do, but if we're going to walk in this love that God has for us, and Willie, you can come and help me, we are going to have to respond the way God responds to us. Aren't you glad that God is good to you? Aren't you glad that he loves you? Aren't you glad that he does good? Aren't you glad that he blesses you? Okay, not everybody. Let me say it again. Aren't you glad that he blesses you? Aren't you glad that he prays for you? Jesus is interceding for you right now. And he gives to you. Glory be to God. And that is the way that we are to respond 
to those that are close to us. We are called to be peacemakers. We're called to make peace. And, and you already know this, but in our families, there is so much uh, confusion and so much chaos, so much craziness in Christian families too. So much. And somebody's got to be a peacemaker. Somebody's got to say, I'm going to love. I'm going to do good. I'm going to pray. I'm going to bless. I'm going to give. I'm going to sacrifice. And I'm going to say, no, I'm going to go ahead and do that for you. No, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and relax on this issue. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to hold my peace because God doesn't do that to me. We love him because he first loved us, and we respond to others because of how much he loves us. Our entire response is dictated by an understanding of how much you are loved by God. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.